Welcome to the latest episode of Nerds Amalgamated. Hope you are having a fabulous week. With me, I have the sexy professor. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, hey. do it again. Hello. Yeah, you still haven't got quite the chef's voice yet. Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> how have you been going anyway? Uh, at the moment, going from massive highs to massive lows. I um the most recent being that my switch broke last <laughs> night, but I was able to fix it today by uh, running a reformat basically, which okay. was a massive high. And then the massive low was discovering that my girlfriend Stardew Valley safe well was out, and she's going to kill me. So massive low. Get ready to sleep on the couch tonight, Professor. Well, I don't have to. I have my own bed. It's not like we live together. And the turkey you could hear ruffling on his feathers just then is the DJ. Oh, turkey. Oh, that sounds, uh, 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 sounds undignified. Well, you said it. <laughs> um, how are you going? Oh, yeah, yeah. Another day, another Thursday, another recording. What can, what can I say? I don't know. Sometimes yes. there's lots of things. <laughs> anyway, are, are you excited for the new semester about to kick off? Oh. Uh, no. <laughs> Suckers. Hey, it's my last semester. I'm I'm loving it. I've got this thing going. I'm, I've actually got this starting to work out well for me now. Anyway. So, mo- we'll so come basically- to your graduation and heckle you. <laughs> Mate, my mum will be there. So if you start heckling me, she's probably likely to throw something at you. <laughs> but, hey, you, you, you'll have to come to my graduation now. You said you're going to. <laughs> it's on record now. I'll just edit it out. <laughs> anyway, um, moving along, the first story up we have this week is the DJ is speculating. This is a mess. <laughs> well, chi- well, Chinese fans are have been um, have been glowing in anticipation as um, it's been revealed on Saturday that Marvel Studios are planning to cast an actor of Chinese heritage for Shang Chi. It's all Asian superhero film. And who is Shang Chi? Uh, a new hero? Or uh, another comic hero? Uh, another comic Marvel comic book hero. He's uh based on yeah, well, he's based in Marvel, and he's a martial artist by profession. So he's Iron Fist. No, not Iron Fist. No, Iron Fist is way different than Shang Chi. This this guy looks a little bit more kung fu and Bruce Lee. Yeah, no, if um. At the very least, having a Chinese actor playing the Chinese superhero will uh, help prevent anyone getting upset like they did over uh, Iron Fist. Well, Iron Fist was supposed to be an American who went who crashed into the Tibetan mountains, wasn't he? Yeah, but um, there was a lot of drama back then about when it came on Netflix. A yeah, guy to play a, a martial artist. I wish these people would actually go and read the comic first before they start whinging. Yeah, yeah, but they can't. It's going to happen. Yeah, it will not. It will not happen because they're too. They're too ignorant to get out of the couch and read a book. You can read a book on the couch. To pick to pick to pick one off a shelf. You can download books. Depends on where your shelf is. A few feet away. Well, now you're just being argumentative for the sake of being argumentative. Okay, so the difference between Shang Chi and Iron Fist is that Iron Fist 
is basically he trained with the martial with with a couple of monks and gained this mystical power while Shang Chi is just basically I've just trained my whole body, that's it. So he's one punch man. To a varying degree, yes. To a varying degree. He can't literally destroy matter, but How do you know? can't, based on the comics. He's putting out electrical charges from his um, nunchucks there. Oh, no, I'm talking about um, Iron Fist. But, yeah, um, Shang-Chi is just highly trained in art, martial arts of concentration and meditation, and he's a hand-to-hand combat expert, basically. Awesome. But, yeah, it's, uh, that's going to be interesting, how, try, um, doing, doing all-Chinese superhero film. Uh, it, to me, it just feels like they're trying to... Um, Marvel's trying to do what they did with Black Panther. That's literally what the article you're quoting says. They realized that having a non-white superhero was a huge, uh, hugely popular, so they're going to have a Chinese superhero next. But this guy's actually Canadian. <laughs> Wait, is it Canadian or Canadian birth or Canadian? Yeah, well, apparently it's um, Canadian Taiwanese. So yeah, oh, they're casting a Chinese actor to play the Taiwanese guy. That'll go down well. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a Canadian Taiwanese actor. Playing the Chinese guy. All right. Oh, that's speculative. That, that's the other just, hand, that's, that's specu- a Chinese guy and calling him Taiwanese. Yeah, <laughs> you see. God. Well, see, that's it. Like the time, the Taiwanese people don't want. They're they're separated from China, even though China says that they're still part of China. Uh, guys, I uh, just want to correct you guys. That's the popular speculative choice. So he's the front runner at the moment. So we they haven't confirmed who's going to be the Shang, who's going to play Shang Chi, but. They're all betting on this guy, and I think I've seen him before. Where was he? He was in a he was in a movie I saw a while back. Well, presumably, you read the article the other day when you found it. Hey, they got a thing here for um the DJ. It's Weibo. <laughs> that's uh no, that's China's Twitter. Ah, I thought it was a thing for Weebs. <laughs> but yeah, man, like. Do you reckon it will work, it work out well in the end, though? Like having a ch- doing like what they doing Marvel's doing this sort of thing. Like next next minute we'll see like an Indian Indian superhero or a Russian superhero or a South American superhero. Well, if they've got four, there's no reason they couldn't go and do a uh, like Shiva as a hero. Yeah. Uh, so but I know that if they're going to do that, I want an Australian superhero. <laughs> I want oh. him running. I want him running down the road in his pluggers, <laughs> his stubbies, <laughs> and with his Australian with, with his Australian flag beach towel tied around his neck, with his esky to carry all his weapons. We don't need the comic book hero. We've got Steve Irwin. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! He's not a comic book hero. He was a deity. He's a real hero. He was a top bloke. There was and nothing. I know that the uh, article you're sourcing, DJ mentions that um, the character who is Shang-Chi's dad, Fu Manchu, isn't very popular <laughs> in China because he's seen as a uh, offensive symbol. <clears throat> yeah, and played by the legendary Christopher Lee. So Christopher Lee played... Oh, yeah, yeah I recognise that, uh, that face. <laughs> but, yeah, this... um the So the frontrunner for this choice, Eddie Peng... He was in a movie I saw basically um, recently called Wukong, where he played his son Wukong. Good film, by the way. Good film. Mm-hmm. But, um... Oh, you were going to say something, Bucky? No, it's a green. It's a good movie. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the one thing that's going to be also intriguing for me is 
where where in the MCU are they going to put this guy in? Are they going to put him? Are they are they going to put him like after the next big Avengers film, or are they going to probably not? They're probably going to put him to the left of the um, <clears throat> female Hulk, <laughs> but to the right <laughs> of the female Thor. You know, the other advantage of having a uh, <clears throat> is that he's not yet another American superhero based in New York. Yeah, it's going to be crowded in New York for the, for the, all the superheroes there. Yeah, they've got like oh, how many is it? Five <laughs> defenders. Um, Iron Man, Spider Man, Captain, Captain America. America. Yeah. Well, then you also got Luke Cage and yeah, all Luke the Cage others. Defenders. The Punisher. <laughs> it's like everybody's yeah. from well, New the pu- York. Well, the Punisher's multi. Well, he's actually international with some of the comics back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be nice to have a superhero who isn't an American based in New York. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I would like to see how the fan base in China is going to react to it. Well, posi- quite positively, uh, the, as things stand at the moment. Yeah. I mean, apart from the um, people who are. I think it's funny that they've published two um, kind of opposite viewpoint articles on, uh, okay, so six months apart. So the article saying that um, people are upset that Shang-Chi being the son of Fu Manchu is uh, because Fu Manchu is a racist stereotype, came out in December. And the one saying that everyone loves the idea of having a Chinese superhero is from uh, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. You got to remember the Fu Manchu. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say you got to remember the Fu Manchu characters from back in what the seventies when um, American ignorance was at a all time high as far as most of that sort of stuff is concerned. I, rec- I, I reckon that they will change the. I reckon Marvel Studios will alter the store, alter his biography um, when the move closer. When the movie gets closer. So he'll suddenly stop being the son of Fu Manchu. Yeah, they'll they'll do something like um, they will say like, oh, maybe he was born in a um, in a poor neighborhood in the Sichuan province or something like that. So if they'll his alter- dad isn't Fu Manchu, <laughs> or is it? Does that mean that he's now got two dads? Is this the first superhero who has gay parents? <laughs> Why couldn't he have oh. two dads? Well. Because we already know Fu Manchu is his dad. Yeah, but so maybe he, gonna... maybe after dealing with Fu Manchu, his mum decided she wanted to bat for the other team now. Maybe <laughs> she was actually a lesbian who was attacked. <clears throat> Which would allow them to have the full rainbow-coloured flag as part of his outfit. <laughs> although, mind you, the Fu, Man- although, mind you, Fu Manchu in, the, in Marvel Comics is totally different to Fu Manchu in, in, real li- in Christopher Lee universe. Were you going to say real life? Terms of, I think yeah. he was. Oh. Was going <laughs> But yeah, um, I'm reading through Shane Chi's um, biography briefly, and it's saying like his mum is a white American genetically selected by his father. I'm like, wow, that's really weird. <laughs> that's like Bond villain level uh, plot. <laughs> so she was forced against her will. Mm. Sounds like it. Maybe he will have two mums. <laughs> if they do, copyright nerds amalgamated. You got to cough up Marvel. <laughs> anyway, moving along. Before we get into trouble, um, Professor, how do small-time game devs make it? 
a lot of love. Okay. Well, there you go. You've heard that from us. Moving on to the next story now. <laughs> so I found this article from uh, a news agency in Las Vegas where they interviewed the, uh, the studio Scary Robot Games and talked to them about what makes it possible for them to make it big. And the uh, main one of the main developers from uh, Scary Robot, Dustin Adair, says that he um, he went through and made iPhone games, the first generation iPhone, like back in the day, and had a huge hit, then a failure, then a hit and a failure. And it's, um, it just hasn't been able to keep the sustainable income from game development. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, in between developing games with his hit, hit and miss, I'm guessing he pushes a broom or works as a dish pig? Uh, you know, and I think I've seen anything about that here. I think uh, it's time he's trying to make it all the way because uh, he makes the point that if you don't view games as a business, it's only going to be your hobby. Okay. Uh, sorry, that's not Dustin. That's uh, Larry Cooperman, the Las Vegas International Game Developers Association organizer. Okay. But uh, I have serious. Dustin is still doing animation work on the side to subsidize his game dev. Mm-hmm. But um, he's come up with talks for Ink the Meetings, and uh, he wants to help bring business into game development and help game developers know how to make sure they're not getting screwed over on money. Fair enough. Well, sounds like it's a um, useful bit of information there. Um, yeah. From your own side of things, have you got any tips for any um, game developers out there that are trying to kickstart their career? Well, I actually have um, tried to kick off a game development job with some friends. And we started off doing uh, contract software development for a, um, well, I won't mention the company, but we started off doing contract software development, made a fair amount of money with that, but had a lot of problems dealing with the company and the contract. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it was really stressful doing that. Then we finished up with that. We had a few thousand dollars in the bank and decided to just sit down and try to pump out a game until we realized we don't know how to do art well enough to publish it. Uh, and an artist would be too expensive. And then one of our members got a, a real job. So we kind of broke up. Aww. Yeah, but the, um, as, also we went contrary to what uh, Larry believes, which is that you can get one employee beside yourself, find someone who knows the business. We were three guys like a year out of uni, um, it didn't go great. <clears throat> I think it, 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 the more I think about it now, video, do, doing all this sort of work, it's like um, trying. It's like any other job, like being a YouTuber. Like you, you have to work very hard in order to be discovered. Or um, tr- it's like also trying to be a musician. It's like you, how many, t- how many hours of editing music and writing music and playing at gigs it must take for you before you get discovered by a major label and say you i'm gonna hire i'm gonna make you a star come and join my company yeah then you have the people who are ridiculously lucky um like they put in hard work but something just clicked and they got noticed by 
the wider audience at the right time and now have no need for such petty things as budgets. <laughs> and um, just for all those musicians out there that might be taking offence at the DJ's comparisons, um, yeah, I, I, I feel your pain. What do you play, Buck? Um, I actually grew up playing a variety of instruments, um, brass instruments and then into percussion. So, yes, played in a few different bands. I play accordion badly. <laughs> I think the DJ play, plays the kazoo badly. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, just been skimming through the article again, and I have also found a bit relevant to uh, my case where um, Larry uh, says that when he goes to game developer conferences, he asks how many people have taken development classes, and everyone says yes, but then he asks how many people have taken business classes and know how to negotiate a contract, and nobody responds. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, because nowadays, like, legal work for anything, it's, it's, a, it's a minefield. Yeah, like um, I um, said with my contract work, uh, getting a um, the contract nailed down and actually holding our client to it was just a huge hassle. And that's why we decided when we ran out of money, we weren't going to go through that again because mm-hmm. uh, we just didn't have the skills or experience to do it right. That's where you need a business manager. Yeah. which And I have to say, it's actually um, one of the more interesting units of I've done in my postgrad studies was negotiations. So yeah, quite quite an eye-opening lesson in some of that stuff. So you're not the only person who um, sucks at negotiations. Yeah, I did actually do um, a few business units as part of my one of my degrees, but it was um, I don't think we ever did anything on uh, contracts. It was all stuff like write a business plan or. Um, how to write proposals for, like, if you're a, a web developer and uh, you want to consult for a pizza shop or whatever. That's okay. actually what we had. But uh, there was never any contracts. Yeah, contracts you hand over to the lawyers. Okay. Negotiation is something that a business person does, and then they hand, hand over the, the actual main structure of what's been negotiated to the lawyers to finalise. And then it comes back and they read and business people read through it and just decide, yes, okay, that's what we wanted and go from there. But yeah, you have to have a clear outline of what it is that you want to achieve. And there's actually a thing called, uh, is it Banff? I think, yeah, Banff was the term. So best negotiated, best best outcome negotiation sort of stuff. So yeah, it, it gets pretty complicated when you start having to start looking through some of it, but um, you have win-win, win-lose, or lose-lose. And then you and also have everyone, hot- thinks, everyone thinks win-win is the best outcome, sometimes the best outcome can actually be um, lose-lose, which is when you have to be prepared to walk away. And then there's also the hot and cold negotiation as well, isn't there, Buck? Oh, well, that's a different matter altogether. But, yeah, we should probably move along. There's actually um, podcasts out there that deal with... Um, business um mark boris is part of it i think it's um welcome the mentor or something not with us but yeah and anyway funnily enough they actually uh interview jay powell a marketing expert 
from the Indie Game Business podcast for this article. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll have to have a bit more of a read through that and check out his podcast, maybe. Is there anything else that you could add for us, or we move on to another topic? I think move on. Fabulous. We have a bit of a theme running this week with China. Um, the next story is actually about a small horny dinosaur. Uh, sorry, horned dinosaur. Small horny dinosaur. Well, you know. This isn't land before breeding, time breeding after season. dark edition. Breeding season comes around every now and again, so I'm pretty sure at that point they're going to be kind of horny. No, um, the Land Before Time After Dark edition is, uh, and then they left one of our fellow podcasts. Very nice <laughs> for children. Maybe That's we should shout out for the week. Mark it down on your bingo sheets. <laughs> Maybe we should um, send the DJ over there. Please, no. I don't want them corrupting him anymore. Yeah, but he's one of these individuals that looks better after dark and I, mean, <laughs> and I mean really after dark when it's pitch black and there's no light at all are you trying to imply on something there bucky i wasn't trying to imply anything i'm saying it outright but anyway getting, getting back to the to the um chinese dinosaur we have the aurora ceratops which looks like the triceratops so it's a little bit smaller and it walks on two feet and it's an adorable image. Um, little triceratops walking around on your feet. The best thing about this, it, with the description for this, it's really cool. Like it was um, lived roughly 115 million years ago, and more than 80 individuals of the species have now been found in China's Gangsu province. The parent size of it is one to 1.25 meters in length and 44 centimetres tall, and weighed in at 15.5 kilos. So weighed about the size of a, the same as a Labrador, and from nose to tail, probably about the same. Height be a small Labrador, but it's running around on two legs with a short frill and a beak, characterised it as a horned dinosaur, but it doesn't have the true horns and extensive cranial ornamentation of the Triceratops, though. Sorry, folks. Oh. Someone's upset and dropped out on us. <laughs> no, I just uh, dropped some stuff off my desk. Okay. Um, I'm not that upset that the adorable dinosaur isn't as adorable as my imagination made it out to be. Uh, I reckon this thing probably still going to be pretty cool. I'm actually, I'm actually going to have to Google it now. Sorry, I'm going to have to have to Way step aside and try and Google a picture of the Aurorosaurus. Way ahead of you on that one. Have you got one for us? Slowly getting there. <laughs> Someone needs but, to tweet Elon and uh, get him to make a Jurassic Park with these guys. Okay, so... Well, that's amazing, a two-legged Taraceratops. So cute. Wow, it's almost exactly like Buck described it. I don't know, which is cuter, this or Littlefoot. Does this have a tragic backstory? <laughs> I don't know, where's the picture? Getting there, getting there, getting there. You're literally looking at it. How is it this hard? I've got the file, but apparently it's too powerful for a Discord. Okay, that was a that's a massively huge file. Um, they've got a picture of it here with green skin and a red head. Oh, I got I've got one, but the characters are too many because <laughs> the cause Google images. Um, yeah, he's cute. I like his little tail spines. There we go. 
Um, I've actually just found another article about this that we can link into the show notes that has an artist rendering. I'm wondering, though, whether this might have actually had feathers the same as the um, Velociraptor, and they just haven't found the feathers yet. I reckon there's a good chance. Like, some of these uh, renderings, just from Googling the name, the mm-hmm. uh, the frill on its tail looks a lot more like feathers. So I think other people were going that way as well. Yeah, like, there's a lot of it's um, a little bit iffy with some of the stuff. So with the way the quills are sitting up there... Because there's another picture. Oh, that's the Ceratopsian month. Oh, no, that's actually. Okay, there is. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A picture where it actually looks kind of like it might be related related to the echidna or spiny anteater. So, yeah, um, there's been speculation on whether previous findings and research into the aurora ceratops were actually... Um, misleading or and all sorts of speculation about it, but there's now so much more research that's found and examples of it that people are actually getting very excited. So we have a new dinosaur, people. It's gone quiet because we've because we're quiet in awe at looking at this cute thing known as the Aurora Ceratops. Ah, uh, see, this is a this is a dinosaur you could have as a pet. Yeah. And it would take care of the door-to-door salespeople you don't want to talk to. I mean, do they say whether it's herbivorous? Haven't found any information on that. Because it's got a beak, I'm guessing... Actually, that's a bit of a rude thing to just take for granted there. It may not actually be... Um, I haven't found any information about that part. There's no information to say whether or not it was a vegasaurus. Imagine they say, like, oh, this dinosaur was a vegan. Well, that's a vegasaurus. Back in those days, it was, yeah. Um, I've got nothing here in any of my research that says whether or not it was a herbivore. Oh, I've got something. Hang on a second. We know you've got something, but have you got any information for us? It's a herbivore. Um, skulls about 20 centimetres long. Total length estimated 2 metres long. So, unfortunately, we couldn't actually feed the daughter or salespeople to it. Well, it could... Bite Chase them, them down. Out. Bite, bite them down and squash them, and then we could fertilize, use them as fertilizer. <laughs> Maybe you could use its tail to club them to death? No, because it's got a whip tail. And that would be cruel to the dinosaur. Yeah. We could use you to whip oh. them to death. <laughs> so they're saying two meters, but the others are all saying 1.25 to 1.5. Anyway, folks, there you go. That's the confusion when there's lots of different people providing research. So, yeah. Um, I would love to. What we wonder what sort of speed this thing would have gotten up to because one picture shows it's leaning forward on its front legs and, and it could, looks like it could actually use those for running, but the other picture was making it look like it would run really fast on its hind legs. Probably a bit of both. So I'm just yeah, like it looks like it you get up a fair decent bit of speed there. Anyway, I suppose we should probably move along because quick show is a good show apparently. 
Um, what game have you been playing this week, DJ? I've been playing Warhammer 40k Dawn of War, the game of the year edition. Okay. So I've just been cranking up the old nostalgia machine and started to play uh, Dawn of War, and yeah, it's been f- it's getting fun. It holds up well. Yeah. yeah. I know, I, I know, like, after Dawn of War, like, the first Dawn of War, I, I was hoping they would adapt, they would continue that style, because real-time strategy is kind of a, like a dying game, or a dying breed, but, well, yeah. Well, it's coming back. Microsoft just started up a new RTS studio to handle Age of Empires. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. And then you got um Warhammer 40k um, Gothic Fleet. It's got a lot oh. of stuff going on as well. Or have you not been paying attention to that? I I just want to start. I, I just want to go. I just want to first finish the Dawn of War um, series and then go into maybe Total War okay. and then maybe go to Gothic Fleet if I'm able to. So Imperial Imperial Guardsmen are the best. Imperial Guardsmen. Oh, <laughs> we have a fight. <laughs> Surely like a old... big ogre thing can kill like five of my guys in one swing, but I have reinforcements. I was going to say, um, the old Sisters of Battle, which are now what, the Sisters of Silence, I think they're calling them these days, oh, um, who, who always lovingly referred to as battle bitches whenever I brought them onto the table. Um, yeah, they, they kind of romper stomped pretty well. But do they have bone shakers? They have lots of things. Um, they have jetpacks, swords, multi-melters, um, yeah. They were the elite guard that defended the emperor because no man could be trusted. So, yes, that was, it was always quite fun because I would come out with, um, say five squads of, um, sisters of battle and two rhinos and, um, a little squad of peasants, going into full fervor, being led by a Inquisitor. And, yeah, kind of devastating for the poor, um, what's the name? Space Wolves, Imperial Guard, whoever I was attacking at the time. It was actually quite like- fun watching um, the Necrons get de- devastated by them one time. Oh, but, oh, sometimes, yeah. but here's the thing, though, with the Necrons. On the Dark Crusade, they are really broken, as in the Necron Lord will always use a resurrection would use a resurrection spell and I'm going, oh, that's, that's dirty. That's cheap. Yeah, they had to, um, like, each game in that series adjusted the balance. Like, up until Winter Crusade, I think. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was, no, it was up until third one. Uh, pirates weren't limited. So I once uh, played Winter Crusade with some friends and completely smashed them just by spamming turrets. Yeah. Um, I used to do that for some of the stuff as well. And then in uh, in Dark Crusade, actually, my favourite was luring the Necron Lord into my base and getting it down and then just uh, surrounding it with turrets because <laughs> I, quite a few times I managed to pull that off and it would resurrect and go down before it could escape, even though like the turret numbers were limited. It just meant I didn't have any of my front lines because they were all there taking down the Necron. Yeah. Uh, so, what game have you so, been playing? Oh, sorry. Were you going to tell us a bit more about the game there for you? DJ? I was going to say, um, yeah, the storyline for uh, the storyline for Dark Cru- for the um, 
Warhammer for this one is going to be, it's interesting how he has this backstory of how, oh, don't speak of this incident, of this of a certain incident. So it's very interesting with this character. Like, I, you don't see that much. Well, it's, it's they saw, you sort of saw it on StarCraft, how each, you get the specific character in, in, a, in um, StarCraft and they have their own tragic backstory, like Kerrigan, for example, the Queen of Blades. It's interesting. Like, I wish they had more of that in strategy games nowadays. You, well, you mentioned Total War. You might like uh, Three Kingdoms because one of the big focuses of Three Kingdoms and actually, also the uh, Warhammer Fantasy Total War games, mm-hmm. but uh, they both have a big focus on heroes. Um, you also got um, Warhammer 40k Space Marine is a good one to go with as well. Okay, because you actually get to play yeah, but... as one of the as, as the Space Marine, and you get to run through and crush the enemies of the Imperium. I should t- I should look into that. Actually, that sounds like a pretty nice game to play. Yes. I um, Although, have played that, and I've actually oh. done that as my game of the week a couple of times. Although, I gotta wonder though, do I ha- when it, when it comes to playing games like these, should I follow the lo- the books and stuff, the lore from the books and stuff, or should I, can I just play it altogether, like the, ignore the lore and just have fun with this game? Just play the games because the lore for forty uh, k is a big mess. Yeah, it keeps changing around because. They've taken out the Sisters of Battle, as I said, like they've got them as a new name where it's Sisters of Silence or something like that. They've changed some of the structure and legend behind that. So I think it was just because of the simple fact that they were a bit too overpowered for some people. And once word got out about how devastating they could be when used properly, yeah. Because you'd have a um, Seraphim squad of five sisters with jump packs running around and they could just drop in on people and devastate, like totally destroy everyone around them. Yeah. Okay. I might, t- I might take into account. All right. I might, have a- I might play the game then. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what game have you been playing, Professor? I've been playing uh, Crypt of the Necro Dancer again. I had most of the uh, levels completed. I was on to uh, stage four, so there's different floors of the dungeon, and each one ends with a major boss. And so I was on the fourth section, and uh, I've unlocked all of the items, but I just can't quite get through fourth floor. It gets pretty brutal because uh, monsters start taking multiple hits to take down, mm-hmm. so you've got to really work on your uh, your positioning. But uh, I'm enjoying it, and I'm hoping that I can recover my save file after the mishap today. Would would you suspect that this might actually be the reason why your switch went wrong? I'm not. <laughs> I haven't game too much. Actually, I'm just looking at the um, web page for this, and is is that um, Link that I got running around there with a the torch? Uh, yeah, I think you're looking at Cadence of Hyrule, which is a, uh, a crossover. It's a new okay. game they made, it just came out recently, which is a crossover uh, link and Crypt of the Necrodancer. Okay. Yeah, it's just the, yeah, um, it's just the um, Crypt of the Necrodancer Nintendo page. And just underneath it, they've got someone standing there holding a torch and bouncing a gold coin and a diamond in the other hand. Oh, that photo. Yeah, that's uh, Cadence, the main character of Crypt. Okay. Just looks like Link from Zelda. It does a bit. Maybe it's Link's older brother. Sister. sister, you can kind of tell because of the uh, the chest region. Well, <laughs> I wasn't going to be 
sexist. I've seen blokes with big chests. I've seen girls with small chests. But let's move along before I get into any trouble. I've just finished playing Mafia 3, completing all the storyline. Um, just finished off a couple of the side missions from the DLC. And it is still absolutely awesome that, yeah, when read some articles about it, just to see what the different endings could be after I finished it. And, yeah, apparently Hangar 13, the developers, had a lot of trouble and Mafia 3 met with a very cold reception and a lot of people were upset and, yeah. So, but there is apparently a Mafia 4 slated somewhere and there's conjecture about how it's going to go and what's what it's going to be. But at the end of Mafia 3, I'll give you a spoiler because it's been long enough now. Your CII, your CIA contact and friend actually goes and shoots a senator because he's apparently involved in the shooting of JFK with the Mafia. And that's actually one of the proposed um, stories for Mafia 4. So are there multiple endings or is it just one ending? Yeah, you well, you actually get um, a couple of choices. You can leave New Bordeaux and then depending on whether you've kept all your people alive and so forth, which was actually wasn't all that hard, and whether you've got them balanced out in power, there's different ways that it goes. So if you have all three of them at the same level and you leave, the commission sends some backup down for the mafioso boss that you've had working as your underboss, and he takes over and turns it into a new Las Vegas of the South. Um, if your Haitian underboss takes over, she becomes... She actually ends up with the city being destroyed because, yeah, the American government starts going after her and so does the governor, so she goes and shoots him, apparently, and then so there's no funding for schools and everything like that, and then when Cyclone comes through, it breaks all the levees and the town just turns into a ghost town. And if the Irishman takes over, he has to have a, I think it's a liver transplant, so he goes to Mexico and gets a black market liver transplant and lives for another 16 years before being killed by the Cubans in a drug war. But if you stay, you can rule together with them or you can shoot them and to decide to rule by yourself, at which point you get blown up by a priest. So what did you choose? I, without having seen all that, I decided to rule with them and I've got all three of them there and I've got them earning lots of money for me, which is good because I've got lots of cars to upgrade. And yeah, I'm now running around doing the side missions, and I've I've actually had to go and steal back a nuclear warhead with my CIA friend as part of the DLC content. I've got a truckload of cars, weapons, outfits. It's, it's actually pretty cool. So yeah, if you're looking for a game to play, um, the Mafia series is definitely something I'd recommend. But moving along to the shout-outs now, we have the 16th of July uh, in 1910, John Robertson Dugan makes the first flight of the Dugan Pusher biplane, the first aircraft built in Australia. And if you actually go and check it out, it's actually really cool. 16th of July, 1951, J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye was first published as a novel. And it's now famous for having the uh, what people call the most centred pr- protagonist in all of literature. Most self-centred. What, you mean it's even more self-centred than um, Donald Trump? No, because he's not a literature <laughs> character. Oh, okay. 
Um, on the 16th of July this year, it was announced that Alan Turing is going to be the new face of the 50-pound note. For those who don't know, Alan Turing is credited as being one of the main people involved in the cracking of the Enigma Code back in World War Two. Did you guys ever um, watch that movie based on his life? I've seen a couple of different ones where he's in there. Um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was in this one. There was another. Yeah, there's yeah, a. There's a couple of them out there. I think the one you're thinking of is uh, the Imitation Game, which is about yeah. cracking Enigma. Mm-hmm. There's also um, a little side note there for you um, with the Enigma machines. I don't know if you guys ever read the book Spycatcher, but the author of that, his father, and he he actually stole an Enigma machine from the Nazis and brought it over to the English. Cool. Yeah, the first um, bit of the Enigma is that they managed to reverse engineer it without ever actually seeing one. Yeah, like, um, there's a lot of really cool stuff. Um, actually, I don't think it was his father. It was somebody, yeah. Definitely a good book to read is um, Spycatcher as well. That actually talks about some of that stuff. Um, move. Was there a, there was something else you posted to us during the week the other day? What was there, DJ? You were saying about for something for a shout out? No, that was a, the touring one was just a shout out. Yeah, just touring. Okay, so I saw something else. Uh, oh, well, um, it'll come to me later. Moving along to remembrances on the sixteenth of July, eighteen eighty two. Mary Todd Lincoln, the wife of the sixteenth. 16th President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, and as such, the First Lady, um, was, died of a stroke at the age of 63 in Springfield, Illinois. On the 16th of July, 1934, Alaska P. Davidson was an American law enforcement officer who is best known for being the first female special, special agent in the FBI. She died at the age of 66 in Alexandria. Um, 16th of July, 1994, Julian Schwinger was a Nobel Prize winning American theoretical physicist. He is best known for his work on the theory of quantum electrodynamics, in particular for developing a relativistically invariant perturbation theory. I'd love to see these guys say this stuff when they're drunk. (laughs) Because scientists drunk are always a fun thing to see. Um, yeah, Swinger is recognised as one of the greatest physicists of the 20th century, responsible for much of modern quantum field theory, including a variational approach in the equations of motion for quantum fields. He developed the first electroweak model and the first example of confinement in one plus one dimensions. So yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff there. He died of pancreatic cancer at the age of 76 in Los Angeles, California. Famous birthdays, we have the 16th of July, 1896. Trigvile, who was the Norwegian politician, labor leader, government official, author, foreign minister, and also the first secretary general of the United Nations. I just point out, Buck had to look up the pronunciation of this. Well, actually, no, because I said it, but then I went and made sure I had it right, just out of one to make sure I had it right. This is a courtesy. Uh, 16th of July, 1911, Ginger Rogers, 
American actress, dancer, singer, um, known for her starring role as Kitty Foyle. Um, also spent a lot of time with Fred Astaire. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen some of her movies, definitely worth checking out. 16th of July, 1926, Erwin Rose was an American biologist along with Aaron Suchovanova and Avram Hershko. I didn't look those up and I hadn't even seen them until just then, so I hope I pronounced them right. He was awarded the 2004 Nobel Prize in Chemistry for the discovery of ubiquitin-mediated protein degradation. He was born in Brooklyn, New York. Um, events of interest, 16th of July, 1945. We have the Trinity Nuclear Test. It was conducted by the United States Army at 5.29 a.m. on, I've already said the date, um, as part of the Manhattan Project. The test was conducted in the Jornada del Mioto Desert, about 35 miles or 56 kilometers southeast of Socorro, New Mexico. And no, Speedy Gonzalez was not injured. 16th of July... Uh, 1948, the storming of the cockpit of the Miss Macau passenger seaplane, operated by a subsidiary of the Cathay Pacific Airways, marks the first hijacking, first aircraft hijacking of a commercial plane. Um, 16th of July, 1956, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus closes its last big tent show in Pittsburgh. Ah. But that was due to the fact that they were changing in relation to the economic um, environment and moving the shows to be held in arenas. And I think that's everything for this week. Looks like it is, Buck. The DJ's gone quiet. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. Okay. All right. All then. Um, we've done a shout-out. We, we've actually got to do another shout-out, too, for um, Everyone Wants to Be a Cat, who we... I made friends with earlier today by posting up a game that's in development for where you get to play as a cat as did part of a gang of cats. Did they actually respond to you? I got lots of love. Okay. I even got I even got um, the Podfather loved the post that I shared. <laughs> so I'm I'm doing well. Okay, so it's not like uh, claiming you're friends with a celebrity. I'm friends with the Podfather. Yeah. So are we? He's he's a celebrity. Yes, he is. Are you trying to bust my vibe here? No, not at all. Okay. Speaking of celebrities, um, we will be heading over to Supernova in a few months from now, and you, we will be there as always. Well, not as always. We were there last year. We've literally been to one Supernova event as the, for, for the podcast. So, as always, it's pushing it a bit. Uh, you kind of cut off there, Professor. I said we've only been to one supernova as the podcast. So as always, it's pushing it a bit. As in a yearly traditional thing? Mm. No, I mean, as always, we don't go always. We've been once. Pay attention. Can someone shoot him for us, please? <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think um, we'll have to blame the um, Chinese hackers. I mean... Um, Gamers with their excellent computers <laughs> there, uh, messing with and the, the DJ. And oh, that was and the, the other shout out. We 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 have um, 
There was a story where apparently the police, quite rudely, were trying to shift a couple of penguins out of a sushi store. (laughs) And I think that the police need to apologise to our overlords because they... The, the police forced the penguins to leave the sushi shop and then they managed to come back and then the police pushed them out again. Penguins have good taste. Yes. It's it's finally happened. The penguins are rising up. I don't know about rising up, but and there's also racism amongst penguins. Apparently, people are upset about the fact that there's a white king penguin. So we've given deference and respect to the penguins. What have we have we got everything for the um, bingo sheet now? <laughs> no, yeah, I think we. Uh, I think we we did have bingo, but nah. I haven't haven't had a rant on the um, mumble rappers. Oh, you but... can't, well, I kind of had a rant with the um, with the politicians, so that kind of counts. We have a rant with you after, I think. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that's the end of another show. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah, get back and touch base with us if you have any. Comments, suggestions, stories. If you think we should just shut up and talk less and play music instead, who knows? Um, other than that, remember to take care of each other, look after yourselves, and stay hydrated. That's hooray for me. See you next week. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, that's not Canada.com. We have an archive of all, of, of all our old episodes and merchandise. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at nAmalgamated.com. Been waiting for you see- to come up with this. <laughs> Anyways, uh, see you next week. See you guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.